Hello, and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. As always, it is your host, Nick Zerars, and I am here 30 seconds after the league announced Cooper Cup as the Super Bowl MVP. Of course, we are here to discuss the Rams 23-20 win, the Super Bowl. I don't know if you heard about it, the Super Bowl, kind of a big deal, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. But before I get today's show with one of my really good friends who was able to stop by, somebody I reached out to Friday night, like 10 o'clock on Friday night, and was like, do you want to come on the show and talk about the Super Bowl right after it happens, even if it's not a good game? Because it's a lot better to have a guest to bounce ideas off of than just me ramble. So my good friend Gabriella Carroll of the Daily Northwestern is back. She was on the night georgia won the national title game she was on previously during the college football regular season to big picture talk about the state of college football she's one of my favorite people to talk ball with it was only fitting i had gabrielle on tonight's show to talk about the super bowl and i don't want to give up too much here in the opening monologue but i was talking about it with the people i watched the game with And this is probably unfair. This is me being a football snob, me being greedy, wanting more. I didn't feel like the Rams were the best team in the league. And that's normal. I mean, we deal with that a lot in sports where the best team doesn't always win the championship. More times than not, it is the hot team at the right time that wins the championship. And it wasn't a great game it was a close game but there were a lot of mistakes on both sides from play design play execution the play of individual players there's a lot to unpack and talk about over the course of the game i'll save that for when gabriella jumps on but before i get there i do gotta remind everyone number one please support the show easiest way subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcasts whether it be apple Podcasts, spotify google play soundcloud stitcher all your major podcasting platforms the show is available there if you are subscribed you probably should leave a review you can only leave a review right now on apple Podcasts and spotify but if you have a moment to please take the time away i spend so much time putting the show together doing research getting useful actionable information for you guys so you guys are the most informed podcast audience you possibly can be I know you can listen to nine podcasts and read a hundred articles during the course of a week to be prepared for the Super Bowl. That's why I do it. So that way I can do a really good preview show for you guys. That's the point here. I'm trying to get you the best podcast I possibly can. Leave me some reviews. Give me feedback. That stuff helps me out immensely as a content creator. Please, please, please. Don't do that just for my podcast either. If there are other podcasts you enjoy aside from the Upper Bowl GM podcast, Please leave the show a review, whether it's mine, anyone else's, if it's a YouTuber, anybody whose content you enjoy, leave them a review that helps them out a lot. Okay, I gave you my very brief spiel that I thought this was a very meh played game. I thought both teams left points on the field. The game plans were very vanilla, very feel each other out and then wait for somebody to make a mistake, which is ultimately what swung the game. And there are a few key players that jumped out to me, jumped out to Gabriella, and we're gonna talk about them. I will see you guys on the other side of the drop with Gabriella, and we will talk about the Super Bowl.
that I am very happy to welcome back to the show one of my really good friends, somebody who has the exact same football psychosis I do. She is a writer for the Daily Northwestern. How are we doing, Gabriella? Amazing. Fantastic. So, knee-jerk reaction, like five years from now, I say, what do you remember from the Bengals-Rams Super Bowl? What do you say? Aaron Donald is that dude. He's just so, so good. Like, it's crazy how good he is, especially for, like, an interior guy. And, like, I feel like a lot of the focus is on, like, defensive ends, like Nick Bosa, Chase Young, whatever. But, like, Aaron Donald is that dude. He is ridiculous. And even when you feel like he's having a quiet game, like, he finds a way to make an impact when it counts. Like, that's what happened against the 49ers. Like, and that's what happened tonight. Like, he is just ridiculous I feel like I didn't appreciate him enough like in past years when he was playing because I I don't know I don't know why I just didn't appreciate him enough I didn't watch the Rams enough but like he is just insane he's so so good like obviously Cooper Cup is amazing like he was able to like win this game a lot but like Aaron Donald is ridiculous he's so fucking good it's crazy he swung the game by himself on more than one occasion before the last play the fourth and one the bengals had that third and two third and one whatever the down and distance was where they handed inside to peter ryan and aaron donald with one hand pushed the guard who was trying to block him back with one arm enough to be able to stick his other arm out to grab P Ryan by the torso, to not let him get the first down, not let him even get back to the line to gain so that it would be fourth in the game as opposed to a first down and the Bengals keep their drive going. That kind of thing where it's just recorded as a tackle. And that speaks to what you were just talking about where you don't really get to appreciate him as much because he's inside as opposed to an outside guy. And it's a lot harder to watch the inside guy because of the way football shown on TV where as soon as the ball's thrown, they snap to where the ball is going as opposed to what's going on in between the trenches. And to your point, <laughs> I think Donald and Cup were the two best players in this game. Realistically, I think there were a few plays the Bengals had that kind of were... T. Higgins, probably the most noticeable player for the Bengals in this game. But Donald, it's really hard to describe what Aaron Donald does, aside from just... He messes everything up for an offense. And... When you have a guy like that, it just makes the rest of your defense's life so much easier. I mean, I don't think the Rams blitzed the entire game. I think they sent four every single play on scrimmage from scrimmage on defense because they only need to do that because they have him. They've got Ashawn Robinson, Leonard Floyd, Von Miller. There's not a lot of teams that can do better than that. And we'll get into the bigger picture, like what this means for football type stuff later, but... Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup are probably the stories of this game for me. Like, when we talk about this 5, 10, 15 years from now, those will be the two guys I remember. Yeah, obviously Cooper Cup won Super Bowl MVP and, like, very deserving. He was fantastic. And, like, Odell was fantastic before he got injured. But, like, Aaron Donald is just ridiculous. And I feel like prior to this game, like, we talked about this a little bit, but, like, it was very much like Aaron Donald versus the Bengals offensive line, yes. like who would win. And like, that was the matchup of the game, right? Like, yes. will Aaron Donald be able to penetrate? And like, he was able to penetrate, like he was fantastic. And like, very much put the pressure on Joe Burrow. And obviously like Joe Burrow, like 
had a solid game, like the Bengals yeah. offense had a solid game, considering the Rams defense is so good. But like their defense is just so good that it's so hard to keep them at bay for any amount of time. And the fact that like, I don't know, Aaron Donald just was, he showed why he is special and like he's a special yeah. defensive player tonight, like in his Super Bowl. You could tell that he was like stewing yeah. on the loss from three years ago, like really trying to bring it back today and win that game like you he wanted it so badly you could hear it like when he was talking about it after they won like he was pointing at the ring after he got the final play like he was he wanted that so badly and like I'm happy for Matthew Stafford as well like playing on the Lions for so many years like my dad is from North Ohio I get the vibes but oh my god Matthew like Aaron Donald is just crazy he's so good So when I think about this game, one of the things that's going to stick with me is just the few individual instances, plays, or injuries, which is one of the things I do want to touch on, that really stick out in terms of momentum. I know momentum is not something that's quantifiable or identifiable, but you can can feel it. Like, if you watch as much football as you and I do, Gabriella, you can understand when something weird has just happened that's kind of changed the energy in the game. When Odell goes out and the game is 13 to 3, the Rams are winning when he goes out with that injury. They really ha- start having a hard time on offense for a while there. They have they get it together eventually. They start scoring later in the game. They find key plays when they need to. But the Odell injury stands out and the Burrow knee injury, which we don't know how serious of an injury that was, that weird play where he kind of got double tackled, went backwards, he came up limping on a third down. He had a whole Rams possession to kind of figure out if he was all right or not. But that first possession after that injury where the Bengals got the ball back, they went handoff, handoff, short pass, first down, handoff, handoff, short pass, incomplete, and that was it. And those two injuries really stick out to me when I think about the course of this game because momentum is weird and hard to understand, but you definitely felt the energy of the game change when those two things happen because when the Odell injury happens, you felt an opportunity for the Bengals. And when the Bengals have Burrow get hurt, you feel the energy start to swing back towards the Rams of we might be losing in this game, but their best players dinged up. We have a chance here. Yeah. It was also like very interesting because I think Matt Stafford like had a weird sack like right before that Joe Burrow possession where he also got injured so it was very like up in the air like what would happen after that like would Matt Stafford come back in would Joe Burrow come back in like what was going to happen with those two players I don't know it was very strange I was very interested to see like I figured after seeing Matt Stafford like on there and then looking at his ankle taping up it up that he would come back in I was like this man has played for the Lions for too long like he needs this he wants this opportunity like he will be back and I thought the same thing about Joe Burrow that like he would be back but it seemed pretty clear like on that second possession that he was like at least somewhat hampered by the injury and just was not as confident to drop back especially like the Rams defense is obviously very formidable and they have Von Miller they have Aaron Donald it's ridiculous but I know they were very, like, like you said, they were leaning on the run game and leaning on those short passes to just get the ball out of his hands so that he wouldn't get sacked. And 
I think that that's understandable and relying on your receivers, especially when you have someone like Jamar Chase and like T Higgins to be able to make those plays after catch, whatever. But it definitely changed. It changed the dynamic of the game for sure. I think the fact that Matthew Stafford either felt a little bit more confident coming off of his injury or just wasn't asked to do as much. And the playbook was like written in a way that was easier for him to come back and handle like that next drive afterwards. And obviously Joe Burrow did not have as much time as Stafford had to complete that last drive. So I think it was less important for him to complete those big passes and make those big throws because they could just sort of chip away and make those smaller chunk plays while like when you have less than two minutes left, like Burrow had at the end of the game, like you really need to make bigger plays and use your receivers, drop back to pass, throw more. And they didn't really do that as much on that last drive. Um, yeah. But the Odell thing at the beginning was yeah. like that really changed the game because I think it took McVay like until like one of the like the last couple drives of the second half to realize like I can just throw to Cooper Cup and like he'll probably catch it. <laughs> like I don't know why it didn't occur to him previously that like he did not have to run the ball as much as he was doing and that even just having Cooper Cup like that Cooper Cup would probably catch the ball. But, like, that's what happened. Like, on the final drives, he was like, you know what? Like, he can – Cooper Cup can make the play. And, like, he made the plays. He made the play on fourth down. He made the play for the touchdown. Then that touchdown got called back, and he made the play for the touchdown again. Like, he was able to consistently make those plays and be that elite receiver. And, obviously, he had, like, the best rec- season of a receiver in the entire league. And Jamar Chase is a star. He's going to be a star for a long time. But – I think this game was really like a sign of just how good Cooper Cup is and the fact that he really was like the best. Obviously, there's no argument that he wasn't the best receiver yeah. in the league this year. He was ridiculous, but he really showed off tonight like why he is among like the the elite players in the NFL. And I think Sean McVay took too long to just rely on the fact that like even in double coverage, like Cup could catch the pass and make the play and. I think the Bengals secondary definitely had some weak spots and Coop Cup was able to target those spots, especially on that last drive. Yeah. But while you were I talking, know, I was counting like he was him. Really, yeah, he was really struggling, McVay, yeah. to find what plays would work until the final drive when he was like, you know what? Cup's there. We'll make it work. We'll make it happen. And it worked. So one of the things that I really read a lot about, because you know, there's two weeks between the Super Bowl and the conference championships games now, so there's plenty of time to do research, is that the Bengals are one of the best teams in disguising what they're gonna do pre and post snap. Where they line people up when the ball is snapped is very different from where the guys are after the ball is snapped. So it makes things a little bit more confusing. And on that last drive, the Rams ran for eight, 16 plays on that last drive. Seven of them went to Cooper Cup on that drive that ended in the touchdown to him, where you and I talked about this before we started recording, while we were waiting for your AirPods to charge. I don't care like how much you believe in the guy. I don't care how much you trust your scheme. I don't care how much you trust your guys to be able to get home on the pass rush. You cannot have your third best corner, Eli Apple, one-on-one with Cooper (laughs) Cup in a first and goal situation, in a press situation where it is clearly going to be a fade or a corner. If it's going to be a fade or a corner that needs to be a Wouzier or I know Mike Hilton traditionally lines up in your nickel spot there where he's inside, but 
you can't have Eli Apple being the guy who's guarding the best player on the field. Like, I understand conceptually you're a zone defense. You run the third most zone of any team in the entire NFL. And it's not necessarily going to be the best player on the best player. It's going to be this player on this side of the field and that player on that side of the field. But you cannot line up in that situation and as Zach Taylor with three timeouts and say, I'm good with this. You just, you fundamentally, as a football coach, have to say something's wrong here. I got to call timeout on first and goal with my third best corner on the best receiver on their team. You just, you can't let that happen. Just, that's just, I don't want to say a miscarriage of justice because that's way too extreme for football, but that's what it is. It's negligence. It's negligence. That's what I'll say. No, it didn't make any sense, especially because like Cooper Cup at that point was the only real legitimate receiving threat on the team with Odell out. Like you have to double, like you have to do more. You can't have one of your worst starting, you can't have your worst starting corner on your, the best receiver on the team, like by a lot. Like, it's not like with Odell out there, I get it. If you have to put an inferior corner on one of the two of them, like I understand it. It's very challenging to cover both of them at the same time. Like you have to have guys one V one when it's just Cooper cup out there. You cannot have Eli Apple on him. One V one. You can't do it. I don't understand why Zach Taylor thought that was a good idea. They have better corners and better defensive backs on that team. It doesn't make any sense. He had gotten like absolutely burned for that Cooper cup touchdown earlier in the game. Yeah. Like it doesn't make any, it, 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 it's illogical. Like, I don't understand what he was thinking. You have better defensive players on that team who can guard that player. And obviously like at that point, Cooper cup had gotten most of the offensive possessions prior to getting into the red zone. He'd gotten most of the passes He converted on the fourth down. He was the major target. He should have been the major target to begin with. There was no reason for you to put one of your worst corners on him 1v1. It just doesn't make sense. I don't know why he thought that was a good idea. It's just frustrating to see things like that. And I was going through and I'm looking because, you know, I'm a psycho and I log every single snap. But the Cooper Cup play swung the game. There was that one play where they had him come in motion from the wide side of the field behind Stafford on a wheel route. And that was the first real play the Rams ran on offense where they were able to get their offense into some kind of rhythm on the drive where Odell ended up scoring the touchdown. And you felt it early in the game that both teams were kind of, they were a little bit tentative. They don't want to be too aggressive. They wanted to feel each other out, which is typical of Super Bowls where neither team wants to lose the game in the first quarter. They'll take things slow to kind of get into a rhythm. And this was one of the few Super Bowls that I can recall where it was the big plays that really swung the game. Not necessarily the incremental long drives, even though the longest drive of the game was the game winning one. Up to that point, it really felt like whichever team was going to be able to get enough big plays would win because you have the interception, you have the T. Higgins bomb, you have a couple of the Cooper Cup wheel routes, you have the one Daryl Henderson wheel route. It was just, it, it was a very weird game and it feels fitting that one of the weirder NFL seasons of recent memory ended in a game like this where I don't want to say neither of these teams deserve to be here because they won the games to get here but to some degree i think it's really fitting we had a kind of weird super bowl to cap off a very very weird nfl season 
Yeah, it was it was a solid Super Bowl. It was a very weird season. And I don't know, you're left like looking at it like could the Bills have beaten one of these teams? Like, are Gosh. these really the best teams? You know, like and not to like shout out the Bills specifically, but I do feel like if I any think of that, like, Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I, obviously the Chiefs lost to the Bengals. So it feels weird to say that like they could have beaten one in the Super Bowl or whatever. And I think the Rams were very good, but I think the Rams were, I think, like I told you before, a very, very bad matchup for the Bengals specifically because of how bad the Bengals' offensive line is. And that's not to say that, like, the Bengals were not a good team because obviously they were. They They, made it to the Super Bowl. Making it to the Super Bowl is a very, very hard thing to do. Like, I, it's very impressive to be able to make it to this point. But I think the Rams were just a very bad matchup for because like Aaron Donald Von Miller like all of their defensive players just were eventually able to overpower the offensive line and that's what you saw like was the game making play in the end like Aaron Donald just doing his thing being able to stop the final play and I don't know it's it's interesting to think of how like a team with a top defense like maybe the Buffalo Bills plus a top quarterback and like obviously Stephon Diggs and whatever could have performed against the Rams but the Bengals made it. They deserved it. They yeah. played very well in all of the qualifying games they played, and they played very well in the Super Bowl. Like, I, for one, I, I talked to you about this before. I thought the Rams were going to dominate this game. Yes. Like, I thought it was not even going to be close. That was common. Like, that, a lot of people I, thought that. I think a lot of people thought that. I did not think the Bengals would put up a good fight because I figured that the matchup between the Rams defense and the Bengals offensive line was going to be too much for the Bengals to overcome. But, like, they put up a good fight. Like the offensive line held together for most of the game. Obviously, Burrow for three got quarters. For three a quarters. Times. The, for three they quarters. They did a solid job. Yeah. For three like, quarters, they hung in. Yeah. They hung in there for a while there. And I think they put up a good enough fight. I think with a couple like added pieces onto the Bengals offensive line, I think that they can be a very, very good team in the long run. They have a solid core established and a lot of really good players. I think you draft a good right guard, a couple other pieces for the offensive line, and they're in a really solid spot. I think that was just a clear weakness. And even then, they held it together for a very long time, and the Rams were just really, really not a good matchup for that team. And I don't think that the 49ers, for instance, would have been either. I think that would have been equally pretty bad with like Nick Bosa and everything so I think either way I, Jimmy G is obviously worse than Matt Stafford yes. like and I'm not even the biggest Matt Stafford fan but Jimmy G is a lot worse than Matt Stafford and obviously Matt Stafford did not have his best game but he definitely could have lost the game for them and yes. he did not do that so and that is what one- he did last week so <laughs> At one point, I thought Matt Stafford was going to lose them that game. At one point, right when they scored the touchdown, they got the ball back, he throws the pick. I really thought for a minute there, wow, the Bengals are really going to win the Super Bowl. But when it came down to it, the problem was in that fourth quarter, after Joe Burrow got hurt, the Bengals couldn't move the ball with any real frequency. And I felt the Bengals, this is the problem with having a big play offense like the Bengals is when you don't have those big plays and you just have to nickel and dime your way down the field, 
you're not used to doing that. And even though the Bengals personnel-wise are pretty well equipped to do that in the receivers they have with Mixon, with P. Ryan, with even Chris Evans, who got a lot of snaps for some reason as somebody who Michigan didn't in the right. Yes, Michigan legend Chris Evans, yes. That was in my notes to talk to you about that because, yes, you are one of the two Michigan fans I know in my life, yes. But in when I think about this game from a Bengals perspective, you're going to deal with the what could have been, what should have been, because for a good portion of this game, it felt like the Bengals were comfortable they had, I don't want to say they had the, all of the momentum, but a fair majority of the momentum. And Zach Taylor played, I don't want to say too conservatively, because they had a really good chance even down till that last possession the Rams had when they scored and took the lead. But I feel like they left opportunities out there. And that's something that sticks with you, because you don't know if you ever get a chance to come back to the Super Bowl. And when you're dealing with that, as a professional, I'm not going to say like at the end of your life all dramatically, like, you know, what you left out there, but from a football perspective to leave those third and shorts, fourth and shorts, even that last play we were talked about before when we were talking about how good Aaron Donald is. If you run a third and one to your number two running back and he can't get that one yard because your offensive lineman can't get one yard of push, that doesn't reflect great on you as a team. And the Bengals, I don't want to say they were the full of shit team in this year's playoffs because every playoffs has one. I would probably say that was the Raiders, but they were happy to be here. And the limitations of Zach Taylor are real. That is a problem the Bengals are going to have to deal with going forward here. And as good as Joe Burrow is, as good as the town on the roster is, if your head coach isn't imaginative enough to use those pieces you're going to have real problems. I don't want to say the Bengals should have won this game, but it kind of feels like they should have because they had a lead most of the third quarter. They didn't score a single point in the fourth quarter, which really sticks out, but Burrow got hurt in the fourth quarter. It's just, like I was saying before, it was a very weird game. The Bengals left opportunities out there, and the Rams just... They made enough plays. As cliche as that sounds, they made just enough plays to win this very weird game. Yeah, I I agree with you to an extent. Like, Zach Taylor did not, especially in the fourth quarter, call his best game. But I do think there were moments where he was very aggressive and was clearly, like, really trying to yeah, push yeah, his yeah. boundaries, like, put the most on there. I think, if anything, this Super Bowl exposed, like, the weaknesses on the Bengals roster because if their offensive line was even, like, average, I think they would have won this game, you know? like They, like, really had a lot of control over this game for a long time and they just could not generate enough offensively to be able to, like, pull away from the Rams. And, like, that's because – partially because the Rams' defense is so good, but partially because the Bengals have a very weak offensive line and have throughout the entire playoffs. And, like, Joe Burrow got sacked, like, an unbelievable number of times in this game. I think it was, like, seven. Like, you just can't do that to your quarterback, and that's what led to Joe Burrow, like, getting hurt, obviously. And I my hope is that for, like, the Bengals' general manager that it exposed the main issues with the roster and, like, what needs to be filled in free agency and through the draft and whatever – 
And I think that hopefully they'll be able to correct those issues and build a better team for the future. Because I do think that if you solve that problem, that Zach Taylor is like, at least from watching this game feels like a good enough coach to propel a roster with a slightly better offensive line to a championship because obviously Sean McVay is sort of portrayed as this like generational like offensive mastermind like has this crazy level of ability but it I feel like it really was not on display in this game like obviously Cooper Cup was fantastic but Sean McVay kept running the ball in these very odd situations where he would always, they would always lose yardage. And then it would rely on like the quarterback and on Cooper cup to like generate a lot of offense for the team. And I don't think that's necessarily bad to lean on your best players, but it definitely did not look in this game. Like Sean McVay was this like unfathomable genius offensive talent. Like he, he was a good coach. Like the game plan was not bad. Like he used his team's strengths and the strengths was it was the defense, but I think like as the Bengals, like if they had had better talent in that one position where they were really lacking that like Zach Taylor's game plan would have been good enough to get them to where they needed to be. And it was just not enough talent wise in that area. But I really, other than that one spot, like on the offensive line, I feel like they have enough talent at the other positions to make it work. Like they have a quarterback. They have two good. Re- they have two very good receivers. They have a solid running back. Their defense is pretty good. They have solid corners. Obviously, Eli Apple is not very good, but like he's your third corner. Like you can replace him. You have a lot of other. If he's your third corner, it's really not that bad, right? Like they made some bad deployment decisions with him, but like if he is your third guy, like you're in a good spot. Yeah, it was just the offensive line that was very, very weak. And against this team specifically, that was not the way to have success. But like if it had been like league average instead of like bad, I think they would have been like they would have been fine and they would have been able to generate a little bit more pressure and convert some of those third downs where they just needed a little bit more push and they couldn't get there. So I don't know, maybe. I was less high on Zach Taylor prior to this game. So maybe I'm letting the play calling in this game judge me too much, but I actually feel like he had a lot of good ideas and there was a lot of aggressiveness. I respected a lot of the things that he did more than what Sean McVay was doing, which I thought was very bizarre, Um, especially with the run game. I didn't really, what he was doing there, I couldn't really get. I get that he wanted to establish the run game as a threat, but like, it didn't really feel like they were ever doing anything of significance. And it was strange to run like most second and third downs when like it just wasn't doing anything for it, for them. And then they were like in these like third and long situations when they were at like second and four prior. I don't know, but I was less high on Zach Taylor prior to this game. So I'm very willing to go into next season and like be very wrong that Zach Taylor is a competent, like potential Super Bowl willing coach. But from this game and like the playoffs in general, I feel like with more talent on the offensive line, like this could very easily be a Super Bowl team in the future. Like they have all of the pieces. And I feel like Zach Taylor is in the the group of people who are good enough. Maybe not like the Bill Belichick type that is like good enough to take you to that place if you don't have the talent, but like definitely good enough to take a roster that is talented to a good spot. You know, he's not going to bring a team down when they don't need to be. The last thing I want to touch on before we start talking about more abstract, big picture, like philosophical things in terms of just this game. 
I'm really happy for some of the guys on the Rams. Just like purely from a, it's so damn hard to win a Super Bowl and the ring culture that sports media has harped on for a while now because it's very easy to do this discussion as opposed to actually be nuanced and pull back the tape and crunch the tape. You saw it on Aaron Donald's face right there when the game was over when Michelle Tafoya had the microphone in his mouth. He said it during the week. I have done everything there is for an individual to do in football. I want to win a Super Bowl. He was able to do it. I'm very happy for Odell. You specifically had mentioned you were very happy for Matt Stafford after 12 years in Detroit, paying his penance, was able to win a Super Bowl. Just we don't. It's very easy to do the this team lost the Super Bowl, that team won the Super Bowl. It's so damn hard just to get here and to survive this long as a team to get here to win. You you root for guys, you invest your time in them, and you see how much it means to them. And that's just as a football fan to see guys who put their entire lives into this. It's very rewarding, even for not fans of the Rams and the Bengals, just as football people to see someone win a championship, how much it means to them. It makes you feel not crazy for investing as much time as we do into football. Yeah, I was telling a lot of people and like my friends, like I was really struggling to figure out who to root for in this game because there are so many people on both of these teams that like really deserved, yeah, like had put a lot into it. And I like ended up sort of leaning towards the Rams because I feel like the Rams is more a group of like established veterans who like have not had the opportunity, have gotten really close, like, or have really like with Matthew Stafford, like paid their time on teams and like excelled in bad environments for a really long time and just haven't been able to break through. Like, I think that's really exciting. I think guys like Burrow and Chase, like have a lot of time left. And like, this is their first like year together in the league. Like they're going to be together probably for like 10 more years. Like they have a lot more time and not to say that like, they're definitely going to win a Super Bowl in that time. But I think, Super Bowls are really hard to win and it's good to see guys like Aaron Donald and who have put so much into this league for so long and who we've like rooted for for so long and guys like Matt Stafford who have really really suffered like put through a lot like for these really bad franchises and like this is like not uh, everybody knows the Lions are really bad like I feel bad disrespecting them because I get what you're going through but also like come on like they're really bad but it's good to see him be able to have this success and like, especially after like getting traded, like he really did put his all in for that franchise for so long, you know, and was at a really high level there for a really long time. And it's good to see guys like be rewarded for continuing to like put in the effort and really, really try and compete every day. You know, I'm really happy for them. It was very hard. It was not like a situation where you're rooting for like the Patriots. And this is not to disrespect the guys on the Patriots, but like the Patriots win the Super Bowl all the time. It's hard to root for a team that wins the Super Bowl all the time to continue to win the Super Bowl. Like, I feel like just personally, like I want to see spread the wealth around, like let's get more teams winning, but especially when my team is not a contender, you know? So it's like, let's see more guys. Let's see more things happening. And I think it's really cool to see like, especially in this Super Bowl, you had a lot of players who have not won yet and are really, have been really striving for this for a long time and have been working for, toward this for a lot, a lot of their careers. And I don't know, it was just, it was really nice. I 
would have been happy no matter which team won yeah. at the end. I was really rooting for the Rams because I think like I had told a lot of people, like I really thought that the Rams were going to win. Like I was very invested in that. And I wanted that prediction to be correct. And I think that like guys like Matthew Stafford and Aaron Donald have fewer years left than the guys on the yeah. Bengals. Um, and I think like, obviously the Rams have really gone all in for this year. While like, I think the Bengals have built something that might be, I don't want to say more sustainable because I think the Rams will still be good next year, but like they have a younger team than the Rams do right now. Like obviously Matthew Stafford is I think 33 right now, maybe 34 while like Joe Burrow is very young. So they have a lot of time left. The Bengals do. And I think that they will be able to build off of this performance while like the Rams have really been building towards this for a very long time. And I don't know. It's it's nice. It's nice to see new people win the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's nice to see new cities win the Super Bowl. Obviously, LA has just gotten football for like the first time in a very long time, which is kind of weird that LA didn't have football until now. But I think it'll do a lot for the Rams fan base and building the fan base in LA. And I think there's a lot of really good players on that team that really have put in their all in this league for a really long time. And I think it's hard to to not root for. Yeah. Either team. So I think it would have been hard not to be excited for whoever won. And I think that was sort of how I felt about this whole game. Like I was excited about it, no matter who was going to win. And it was good that the Rams won because that was the prediction that I had at the beginning. So I was excited to be right for my roommates, you know, show off the football expertise that I claim to have. But it was, I would have been happy if the Bengals had won as well. And they have a lot of great, it seems like they have a lot of good people on that team. And I think that. Hopefully they address the offensive line and they'll be back in the future. So that Rams team, I mean, you think about it, the guys who've been around forever, like Andrew Whitworth, who was in a Nick Saban LSU recruiting class. How long ago he was in college. You think about Stafford who got drafted in 2009, Odell who got traded to Cleveland purely. So Dave Gettleman could send him to die in football obscurity. You think about Cooper cup who played at Eastern Washington, you think about Taylor Rapp, you think about Leonard Floyd, who got not picked up on his fifth-year option. Just everybody bought into that. The The thing I saw during one, the, one of the six hours of the NBC pregame show, which I kept on mute most of the time, but occasionally unmuted, was that Von Miller brought his replica Lombardi trophy to the to the stadium every single week on game day so that everybody walking into the locker room would see that before the game just that weird kind of stuff that like only people who have won a super bowl before can understand and just it's really cool to see the guys rewarded for the hard work and like you said before it's very easy to get this to get jaded disillusioned with football when tom brady and belichick were winning the super bowl seemingly every other year but for a group of guys like the rams who They've kind of upset some people. I know the football establishment, the, especially the older group of people, still have Odell rubbing them the wrong way for some reason. It's very satisfying to see this new group of guys get rewarded for their work because football is such a grueling, taxing, mentally challenging game. Everything the Rams have done from a philosophical standpoint of acquiring these older, more expensive higher profile guys and trying to fill out the rest of the roster with lower profile, less expensive, lower 
um, what's it called? Lower round pick guys, mid round pick guys, third through seventh round, because the Rams haven't picked in the first round since I think Obama was president was when they took Jared Goff in the first round. That was the last time they had a first round pick. It's really cool to see guys get rewarded. And that's where I want to tie up that point. So transitioning more to bigger picture, where we go from here as football, you mentioned it before talking about McVay as this big mastermind and being not as that impressed. And I agree with you. It wasn't a great offensive game plan. All this guy's assistants keep getting hired. Anybody who's like ever shook his hand, ridden an elevator with him, they keep getting hired. And we're in this era of you need to be able to get 4,000 passing yards, 40 touchdowns, passing touchdowns, and you figure out the running game and everything else as we go. What do you think is going to be the main takeaway from this Super Bowl? Every Super Bowl, we have a takeaway. Last year, it was you got to have an offensive line because Mahomes had to run for his life, and the Chiefs got five new offensive linemen in there and had one of the best offensive lines in football this year, and we – we know the trenches win football games. It's not a sexy way to do it, but it works. What do you think is going to be the main takeaway from this Super Bowl? Because everybody's going to have an opinion. And we'll talk more about like the, the thematic, like what sports media is going to talk about after this. From a football perspective, what do you think is going to be the main takeaway from this game? I feel like you need an elite pass rusher. Okay. That's my thought. You have guys like Aaron Donald, and it's just ridiculous, like, yeah. the impact that they can have on a game. And honestly, the fact that the Bengals' offensive line is not very good played a role in this. But at the same time, you're playing against offensive line. Like, the Rams played against teams and offensive lines that were significantly better before playing the Bengals and we're still able to come out with wins like in large part because Aaron Donald is so good like he's just so good and they were playing against guys like Nick Bosa and like Nick Bosa is also incredible but Aaron Donald is just like the best of the best and he is an interior guy like it's just crazy like I, I feel like this entire podcast is just going to be me raving about how good Aaron Donald is, but it's impossible to describe what? adequately how good he is at football. Like, it's actually insane. <laughs> He's so good. And I feel like you could just say, like, oh, the offensive line wasn't that good. Like, that's why. But And obviously the offensive line wasn't that good. And you could also say like having top receiver talent is like a big takeaway. And I think it is. You have guys like Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase. They were the guys that got you here and they bring a lot to the table. And you definitely have to have guys like that on your team. And that's something that you should be looking for. But at the end of the day, like Aaron Donald made the difference. And he continued over the course of the Rams playoff run to make the difference between wins and losses for them. And when it really needed, when they really needed a guy to step up, Aaron Donald was always the guy who stepped up and made the play to seal the game. It happened against the 49ers. It happened in the Super Bowl. I think having that type of player on defense, obviously you're not going to get somebody that's as good as Aaron Donald because he is just the best of the best. But having somebody that is elite and just a fantastic, fantastic defensive pass rushing player in the trenches I think is so, so important. And I think that is really what separated the Rams from the Bengals in this game, that despite the Bengals having a fantastic defense, they just did not have a player who was a difference maker. 
the way that Aaron Donald was. And it's hard to like, again, they're not guys like Aaron Donald in this league. Like he is one of one, but the fact that they had him really was the difference in the game. And he continues to step up when they need somebody to step up. And again, like in the last Super Bowl, the Rams played in, like they did not struggle defensively. Like they struggled offensively. Like that was the problem. And that's part of the reason that they got Matt Stafford and in the first place. And they activated Cooper cup. They got Odell Beckham Jr. But Aaron Donald has always stepped up when the team has needed him and really delivered in those clutch moments. And he is the story of the Rams playoff run in general, in my opinion, I think he brought it for them. And without him, obviously Cooper cup won Super Bowl MVP. And I'm not going to say that he didn't deserve it, but him or Donald I think they would be fine with me. Exactly. Either way, I would not have been dissatisfied. Exactly. But I think, like, without Donald, like, they would not have made it this far at all. And he is just such a difference maker, and it's crazy. So having a guy, even with, like, a fraction of the talent he has that is able to make an impact is so, so important. And that's the thing where you look at some of the strategies some teams have used to piecemeal together defense, and you don't have a pass rusher who can impact the game even half as much as Aaron Donald does, which half as much of Aaron Donald is still a pretty good pass rusher. And you think about teams like the Giants, the Jets, even the Patriots this year, Matt Judon was pretty good, not to the same degree as somebody like Aaron Donald. And whether you want to try and do it from a scheme perspective where you're trying to get pressure from sending somebody at the quarterback from an unconventional look, you have to be able to disrupt what the quarterback wants to do from a defensive perspective. And it's a lot easier to do that rushing the passer than it is to play coverage. And we saw that from the Rams in this game where they were able to affect Burrow enough as a passer getting after him that they're able to sit back in zones and if we have to play coverage for five or six seconds yeah we might get burned once or twice but because our front four is so good we'll be able to get after it that should be your goal as a defense if your front four cannot get pressure without an added blitzer you probably don't have a super bowl caliber defense and that might be the barrier when we talk about the chiefs when we talk about the bills We talk about the Ravens, where the Patriots are now, where the Chargers are now, or some of the teams in the NFC, aside from San Francisco, where Green Bay is. If you cannot get pressure with four guys consistently and drop seven, you probably don't have a defense capable of winning the Super Bowl. You think about Tampa's defense last year. You think about the Patriots' defense the year before, the Eagles' defense the year before that. If you can't get pressure with your front four guys consistently, you're probably not going to be able to be a good enough defense because if you're not rushing the passer enough that they have to get rid of the ball before they're ready, your defense probably isn't good enough. The Bengals' defense, they had a few plays. Trey Hendrickson made a couple plays in that first half. They picked off Stafford twice. The second one, the arm punt, the one in the end zone that Jesse Bates ripped, you can live with that because it's a third and long at midfield, you probably punt anyway, and that might end in a touchback, okay? If you can't get after the passer with four guys, your defense, it's not a Super Bowl-winning defense. That's just where we are in the NFL at this point. Yeah, I think that was part of the reason that the 49ers were like a very uniquely bad matchup for the Rams because they were really the only team that had the defenders of the caliber that the Rams did. And I think like 
this is something that we talked about a little bit like prior to this game happening, but that like the 49ers and the Rams both had defenses that were very well equipped to potentially take on the Bengals in that game. And obviously like with the 49ers, you have guys like Nick Bosa, you have Fred Warner, you have all of those players and they have a very elite group up front. And that was sort of what made that game so competitive yeah. defensively and in the trenches and what helped Matt Stafford and eventually Jimmy Garoppolo struggle. And then when you have two teams like that, the fact that Matt Stafford was better than Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. really made the difference because those defenses were really equals. But like at the end of the day, like the Bengals defense was significantly better. I mean, the Rams defense was significantly better than what the Bengals were doing. And then like the differences between Matt Stafford and Joe Burrow were less significant because of the significant mismatch in those like defensively, as opposed to what the difference was between the Rams and the 49ers, where the difference between Stafford and Jimmy Garoppolo really made a difference. And you couldn't rely on Jimmy Garoppolo to make the play in that on that final drive. Like, you can sort of rely on Joe Burrow to make a play on the final drive, but Aaron Donald is just so good that it is like, he's just so good, you know, and you expect that from him at this point. But I think like the 49ers obviously beat the Rams in the regular season. And I think that was something that was like a big storyline for them. The fact that they had such a strong defense and the 49ers, I think will be back if they can get a better quarterback. And if Trey Lance is the real deal, I think like, they are going to be a very, very formidable team next year. Still with Nick Bosa and Fred Warner and the like. Um, their defense is amazing. But I don't know. The Rams had the better quarterback this year and the better offense this year with Cooper Cup. And obviously the Rams had Debo Samuel, but it just it didn't matter as much because Jimmy G couldn't make the plays. And I think with the Bengals, they can make the plays. They were able to make the plays yeah. and they just couldn't get enough stops and couldn't avoid pressure the way that the 49ers could and made that game a little bit I don't want to say more even because the scores were just as even but I don't know it felt like I know what you mean. I was more I worried about the 49ers beating the Rams than I was about the Bengals beating the Rams even when the Bengals were ahead because I was confident that the Rams defense would be able to contain the Bengals even then yeah. like when they had 16 points and were ahead but I know I what know. you mean it's a confidence <laughs> thing in terms of the defense where Nick Bosa bearing down on Matt Stafford down after down after down is a little bit more daunting than Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard, who I will be yeah. fair. Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson had a great game, especially against the run. They were Sam Hubbard had one of the best performances from a defensive lineman in a loss. I can recall, especially against the run where he was just grabbing Cam Akers with one arm and you're not getting past me. I don't care what you do, you're not getting past me. And Sam Hubbard, mid-round pick, less expensive, not as high-profile guy. If you're not a football nerd, you probably didn't know Sam Hubbard's name before today. But really good game. And you just think about the Bengals' approach versus the Rams' approach. And they're completely ends of the different ends of the spectrum because of the limitations. The Rams are willing to spend to the salary cap. They have every competitive advantage as humanly possible, whereas the Bengals are a little bit more of a cut rate approach they're a little bit smaller of a front office they're going to not be able to develop players as well because they don't have as big of a talent development staff where we got to lean on individual guys and before we train last question last point of topic in this discussion i know we're in an era of offense 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 but we've seen three super bowls in a row now where a defense first team has 
kind of swung the course of the game and the Chiefs defense kind of swung that game for them against the 49ers in Miami three years ago, which feels like 10 years ago because that was the last Super Bowl before the pandemic hit. But I I really thought for a minute that Rams, um, Rams Patriots was three years ago. I completely forgot about the, the uh, 49ers Chiefs Super Bowl. If I asked you, would you rather have the elite of elite defense like the Rams had this year or the better quarterback like the Bengals had this year and you're going into the Super Bowl blank? You can have one or the other and you don't know anything about anyone else. Which, which would you rather have? What would you say? See, I feel like not seeing the Super Bowl, you would pick the offense, right? Just knowing the direction of the way that the NFL has been going, that like it's been really prioritizing like these crazy offenses and a lot of passing and all of that. Like you think like, oh yes, we need to be able to throw for 400 yards every game in order to win. And obviously that's helpful. Like, I'm not going to say that that's not useful, but I definitely would not have thought prior. Obviously we were thinking about it a little bit, that like the defense would have a big impact this game, but you would think that having the, the better quarterback, I think traditionally right now is considered to be the more important factor. And I think that's probably what I ha- would have selected, but then like watching the game, I think it's super clear that having a good defense is having it's nice. a best it's- the best type of defense is it's really good to have. It's very good to have. And I think maybe having seen the 20, the Denver Super Bowl that one time, I should yeah. have thought harder about that, but Seriously, two years like, in a row you, now. Two years in a yeah. row now, we've seen where the elite defense against the shaky offensive line has won the game. Where Joe Burrow, I think, played better than Matt Stafford today, but the Rams defense was significantly better than the Bengals offensive line last year. Mahomes tried his damnedest to win that game, even though they only scored nine points against the Bucks, and that Bucks pass rush was insane. And the year before that. The Chiefs were down 10 points and their defense was able to make just enough plays to put Jimmy G in a situation where they could get the ball back, come down and win the game. You got to be able to get after and affect the quarterback. I think that is going to be the thing I really try. And like, as much as I like offense, as much as I like Kyle Shanahan, as much as I like Aaron Rodgers, it's you got to be able to affect the passer and you got to appreciate that more and think about that more in terms of how you evaluate teams. So transitioning bigger picture now, when we think about the Rams, you think about Stafford, you think about the Aaron Donald. First of all, I hope Aaron Donald's not retiring. I hope Rodney Harrison was full of shit with that report during the pregame. Just full stop. I, if Aaron Donald's done playing football, I'm going to be very upset. He's only like 31. He's got plenty of time left in this game if he wants to play. If he wants to walk away, fine. Good for him. Live your best life. Take your money. You got your ring. I'd be happy for you. But it'd be a shame to see Aaron Donald leave when... He's never going to catch the the sack record just because he doesn't accumulate enough because he's not an outside guy. But it'd be a shame if he was done. I think Stafford probably is a lock for the Hall of Fame now. I think the narrative on Odell, unless you're like a guy from Staten Island, is officially like dead. It just... I'm... The narratives about this Rams team are just really Jalen Ramsey, who bet on himself and said, get me out of Jacksonville, get me out of Jacksonville, whatever you do, just get me out of Jacksonville and I'll prove it to you. I'm better than how I'm playing here. 
the narrative surrounding the guys, the individuals on the Rams are just really, really interesting. And we're going to have a lot of the, is Matt Stafford a Hall of Famer? Is Aaron Donald the best defensive player of all time? That kind of discourse is going to consume the next two to three weeks until we really start getting the draft buzz going. Yeah, I hate to, I feel like, judge those things because I never know, like, yeah. oh, I'm sure there's a defensive player that maybe was better than Aaron Donald in, like, the 80s or something. But, like, I didn't watch. I'm yeah. 20 years old. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> but I do feel like, I don't know, there were so many good stories with this Rams team. There are yeah. so many players that I feel like really got their due. I think a lot of guys really played really well. And they're hard not to like. I feel like yeah. a lot of people wanted to hate the Rams because like they're buying their way to a Super Bowl, whatever. And like, I think they took a lot of risks with the team that yeah. they were signing and bringing in a lot of guys that maybe had that other people had red flags with and that other people were concerned about bringing in or that they didn't like or that hadn't succeeded in other places like Odell or like Jalen Ramsey. And I think that those risks really paid off. And they were like, you know what, we're going to bet on talent. We're going to bring in the best guys we think we can. And you know what, if they talk a little bit too much for us or talk a little bit too much for football media and people don't like them, like whatever, they're the guys that put us in the best position to win. And they were right. I think bringing in the best talent that you can in this situation, obviously barring like real problems, but like Odell was never really like a real problem. It was just like whatever was going on with the Browns and who knows what was going on with the Browns. But I think they obviously made the right decision bringing him in. He played a yeah. really big role in the part of the game that he was in. And some people are going to say, oh, he didn't play the whole game, whatever. Like, is he, you know, but in the part of the game that he played, he was a significant major factor in the game. And guys like Jalen Ramsey, Jalen Ramsey didn't have his best game, but there was also the questionable face mask call and whatever, but played a big role in them getting to the position that they were at in the season at all. So I don't know. I think they had a really good team. They bet on talent. They brought in the best guys that they could. And obviously it's not sustainable to bring in like the top, top guys every year at every trade deadline, every free agency, whatever, but it works for them. They have a lot of money. They were able to do it. I think there's no reason not to, you know, you want to upgrade your team at every position you can. And they saw, you know what, we've fallen short with these guys before and we're not going to do that again. So they brought in the guys that they thought could upgrade the team, Matt Stafford, Von Miller, Odell Beckham and it worked they played a huge roles in the game and in the season as a whole into getting them where they were and it worked so good for them I think yeah. obviously not every team has the budget to be able to do this I think teams like Cincinnati which maybe have ownership that is a little bit more spendthrift can't do what they're doing and a lot of teams have to sort of build their windows around like rookie quarterback salaries and all that but I feel like it shows that if you're a big market owner and you're willing to spend money to bring in top players, I'm not saying that every team should do it, but it worked for the Rams, you know, bringing yeah. in top guys and making sure that you could make it happen. So try I just want, I, I just want, first of all, I want more creative approaches to team building. I don't want every single team doing the exact same thing. So like the Rams just being like, fuck it, draft picks don't matter. I just want to have the best team I possibly can. It worked for them. Like they, the two picks, they traded two first round picks and a third round pick for Jalen Ramsey. Those two picks were Clavon Chason, who's been a rotational pass rusher for Jacksonville, CJ Henderson, who the Jaguars traded to Carolina. So 
the Rams very definitively won that trade. Odo Beckham, off-the-street free agent. The two first-round picks, we'll see what the Lions do with those extra picks. Maybe those turns into something important. Maybe they don't. That's another discussion for another day. They won their Super Bowl. I think you can justify making that trade no matter what, even dealing with the ramifications down the road. So real quick, rapid fire, just yes or no. Is Aaron Donald the best defensive player of your football, like, actively, like, I care about football, football is part of my personality consciousness? Because it's either him or Revis for me. Those are the two guys I would put in the argument for best defensive player of my, I love football, I care about football, I want to do things with football. Those are the two guys. Yeah. Yeah. Revis was the one other guy that I was thinking about that I was, like, unclear about putting him ahead of. But definitely, he's up there with Revis for sure. And maybe, like, just as a Jets fan, I would put Rebus ahead of him out of pure nostalgia. But yeah, I think Rebus was amazing. Rebus he's was up there amazing. with Darrell Rebus for sure. Yeah, yeah. Is Matt Stafford a Hall of Famer? Probably. I think if he puts together yeah. another good season, probably two, he would be a lock for sure. I think probably, probably is the right answer. Probably is the right answer. Is Sean McVay a top five coach in the league? This is the one I actually like. I wrote down and I was like, maybe, maybe. And like, I don't think so. I think football media will consider him one now that he's got the ring. But I don't think so. I think I would take Bill ahead of him. I think I would still take Andy Reid ahead of him. I still think I would take Kyle Shanahan ahead of him, which I'm saying out of the right side of my mouth, not really out loud. Because, you know, Kyle doesn't have a ring either. But there, I just... McVeigh Galaxy brains these things. And we talk, you mentioned it more than once that just the insistence on running the ball for no gain on first down right at Sam Hubbard into Sam Hubbard's body. Just do you think Sean McVeigh is a top five coach in the NFL? I'm going to say yes, if only okay. because I can't think of other, aside from like Reed, Belichick, and Shanahan, guys that I would 100% put ahead of him. You know, like maybe Mike Vrabel. Yeah, Vrabel. Vrabel maybe did a Vrabel. lot. Like, I, I, I just don't have anybody that I maybe Pete Carroll. Like, I, I can't think of anybody that I would like definitely put up yeah. there. So I'm like, why not? Maybe. I'm not okay. saying that he definitively is, but there's maybe. just maybe it's a testament okay. to the bad coaches in the league. But yes. I don't know. I'm just I, there's nobody that I would definitively put in the. There's not five coaches I would definitely put in the top five over him. So I would say maybe. <laughs> that's a good, that's the thing. I wish more people in sports media would just say, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> we got to see. We'll find out. Like, that's the whole point of having a discussion. Like, you rationally think about it. You list them out. And maybe. I, I don't think he was great. I mean, they should not have beaten the 49ers. They should not have beaten the Buccaneers. They probably shouldn't have beaten the Bengals. But... They did. So you gotta give you gotta give Sean McVay his flowers, as frustrating as it might be when you think about it. So bigger picture, let's open it up now where we are for the NFL at large. When you think about where we are right now, what stands out to you? To me, it's a handful of really special quarterbacks and every other team trying to figure out how they get one of those guys. I think that's probably fair. I think it matters to have a special, I think it matters to have a special player at either a quarterback or as 
an elite pass rusher. Okay. And then at the same time, you have to have at least an average player at the other position okay. to make a difference. I like that. Right? Like, I like that. You, you can succeed, like, for, like, the Washington football team slash Washington commanders, whatever they're called now, for instance, they have Chase Young already. They need to get, like, a league average quarterback, right? Taylor Heineke yeah. is not the answer. But if they get somebody like a Stafford, they could compete. They have a guy at the other most crucial position, right? And then, like, you have Joe Burrow, you have Patrick Mahomes, but you don't have somebody at that other position, right? Like, you have Josh Allen, but you don't have an elite pass rusher. You have Aaron Rodgers, but you don't have, like, anybody that really stands. Like, obviously, Aaron Rodgers has a better defense, right? And then you have guys like Nick Bosa, but you have Jimmy Garoppolo, you know? I think you have to have one of the two. You need to have an elite player at one position and then you need to have at least a league average above average player at the other position and it seemed like the Rams were the only team that really had both and that they mm -hmm. had Aaron Donald and they had Mount Stafford there weren't a lot of other teams that had like an above average player at the other position at the other position and then an elite player you know those are the yeah. two most crucial positions in my eyes from seeing this and then obviously like offensive line would be third that you need like at least an above average offensive line, but th that's my tier ranking of things that I think are important. <laughs> Those are the two most important positions in football. I mean, any team that doesn't have a quarterback and like at least one good pass rusher, you're not a serious contender. And <laughs> that's part of the problem. Some of the teams that fell against the Bengals and the Rams on the way here had, you didn't have the quarterback or you didn't have the elite pass rusher. So looking ahead now where we think we're going, it seems like the AFC is definitively the better conference. I feel like the quarterbacks in that conference make that conference significantly better. The NFC seems very, very wide open right now. It seems like Rodgers is staying in Green Bay. It seems like Stafford is staying in LA. But aside from that, I mean, Dak in Dallas. But other than that, I mean, the NFC South is wide open. The East is three question marks and Dak. The West is maybe Russ, Matt Stafford, and Trey Lance, and maybe Kyler Murray, who seems kind of mad at the Cardinals, which was a very weird thing to get reported on the Monday, the Sunday morning of the Super Bowl. But it really seems like the AFC is significantly better than the NFC, at least right now. It could very quickly change if one of these quarterbacks goes to the other conference. I think the AFC has better offenses, but I think the NFC's defenses are better. Maybe that's okay. maybe I'm just thinking of the Rams and of the 49ers that they are like in a class in my mind a class above everyone else. But I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Uh, I mean, Cincinnati, meh. Kansas City, meh. The Chargers, meh. The Bills' defense is very good, but they don't have an elite pass for sure. It's not a crazy argument. I wouldn't like be upset with that. That's a reason. I actually, that's a good take. I might steal that. I think if the 49ers can acquire an even like an above average quarterback, that they should be like if they can make the cap work, the favorite like by a mile for the Super Bowl next year. If mm -hmm. Trey Lance like is even just above average, like he doesn't need to be like Mahomes level, but if he can be like Stafford level, like. I would take that as an easy favor for yeah. the Super Bowl next year. I think that defense is just so good, and they have very good players 
at every position. Like it's literally ridiculous. And obviously with Lance on his rookie contract, I think like if he is good, it's like a, I, it would be a no brainer for me to pick them at the beginning. I, I don't bet on anything because I don't think I can technically legally bet, but like, I wouldn't bet anyway, because I, I just don't like losing money because I need to pay for dinner at my apartment because I don't have a really lucrative job, but the student center at my campus does not pay well. That said, I would pick the 49ers because I think that they. Oh, have you haven't even, sense. we haven't even gotten to the, what we think is going to happen next year segment, but uh, I'm very would, much with I, you. I, I'm sorry that I'm skipping ahead of, sec, of segments. I think that the AFC has better offenses and I think will be more fun to watch, but I would not be surprised if the 49ers go on a big run. If they can, if Trey Lance becomes like a solid yes. quarterback. I would not be surprised if they go on a big run and win like two Super Bowls in the next five years or something. Like that would not surprise me. I think San Francisco is very well set up going forward. I think there's a handful of teams that are set up very well going forward. I mean, Kansas City will be back. I imagine Buffalo will be back. I imagine Cincinnati will be relatively close to being back to what they were this year. I think Baltimore, as long as they don't have the season from hell again, will be back next year. Who I Get think them a, a better lot... practice field. Yes. What, we, are they we've practicing talked to... what does this field look? Why is this field brown? Like, what is it? Like, why? I don't, I don't get it. Everybody is getting hurt on this field. Get them a real practice complex. I, think I don't a lot understand. Of, I know Lamar only played like nine games this season, but it feels like a lot of people are very casually just overlooking how good Lamar has been over the last two years and how good he was in the nine games he did play this year. Like, like really good like games, just like as a pocket passer. Like, he had, like, a 450-something-yard passing game this year. And, like, I know he was hurt, and the Ravens had the year from hell, and they didn't make the playoffs, but I think the Ravens will be back. I think if Baker Mayfield isn't, like, one of the four worst quarterbacks in the league, I think the Browns will be pretty competitive next year. It just feels like we're getting to a point now where if you don't have at least a B-minus quarterback or an A-plus defense, you're just not invited to the conversation. I think that's basically where we are in terms of football discourse. So bigger picture, like purely speculative, just bullshitting now because we've been going a while. What are the things you're looking to see what happens in this offseason? I think it seems like Rodgers is staying in Green Bay. I think it's Russ or Pete in Seattle. That's something that has to be figured out. What the Steelers do at quarterback is really interesting because that's a really good defense. And there's a lot of teams right now who we just don't know what they're going to do. And I think that's what makes the NFL so interesting is that if you have one good offseason, you can be a contender, as the Bengals proved this year. They had one good offseason. They brought in two really good free agents. They brought in Jamar Chase, and they made the Super Bowl. I think the NFL offseason poses the easiest path to getting better and it's why the nfl makes this so interesting because the season is so short the off season is such an opportunity to get better what are you looking for what stands out to you as things that could dramatically change things um i'm curious to see what the browns do at quarterback i think mm-hmm. like i was saying i think like having a good quarterback and then like an elite pass rusher having an elite quarterback and a good miles pass rusher is important and miles garrett is among the best of the best he is ridiculous his yeah. he was so so good this season and baker mayfield's arm was hanging on by a thread 
Like he was absolutely washed. And I feel bad for him because he was clearly playing through like three or four injuries at any given time. Like you would look at the injured list and it would be like Baker Mayfield, like shoulder, upper body, eye, whatever. Like he was going through it. He was having a rough time and I feel bad for him. But I'm curious if they bring him back and are just like this bad season was a product of him having a significant injury history and him not really being able to get healthy. Or if it was like, he is not a viable starting quarterback option and we need to look elsewhere. I think like either way they go about it. They have solid receiver pieces. They have really solid defensive pieces between like Miles Garrett. They have like Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom. They have a lot of really good guys on that team. They have a really solid offensive line. They have some receiving weapons. I think if they have a good draft this year, like I see no reason why they shouldn't be able to be competitive. I think it's just a matter of what they do at quarterback. And I think Baker Mayfield really sunk him this year because he was just really going through it with a lot of stuff. He wasn't playing very well. He was going through a lot of injuries. I don't know what was happening, but Miles Garrett is just so, so good. So if they can have like even like above average, like quarterback play, like not elite, like just solid, I think they should be in a good spot to make the playoffs, especially like with the uncertainty with what the Steelers are doing and everything. So I'm curious to see if they go external and try to find another option. I don't know if they would go after Jimmy G. I feel like that's not really an improvement over Baker Mayfield, but I don't know what they would do, but I'm curious if they try to make a move and try to improve the team somehow at that position or try to get drafts. I don't know. Kenny Pickett and see if Kenny Pickett is any better. I don't know, but I'm curious to see what happens there because Miles Garrett is just too good to waste away on a non-playoff team. I would love to see what he can do again in the playoffs. The Browns were really, really good last year and it was really fun to watch them and to watch that defense play. And I'm really excited about it. So I'm looking at SVP sports center right now and they have Kansas city as the prohibitive favorite for next year, which makes sense. Yeah. Buffalo is two, Green Bay is three. Yeah. I mean, this is who you would expect to be in your top five for super bowl contenders going forward. Go looking ahead. The team I'm curious about, I want to see what they do. I want to see what Tampa Bay does at quarterback because I assume they're going to lose Chris Godwin to free agency, but you get a good quarterback in there with Mike Evans and that defense. That team can be fine because that division isn't great. I think New Orleans is just going to fully have to blow it up because they don't have a head coach because I don't think Dennis Allen will hang in there long. They need a quarterback. They probably are going to end up trading Michael Thomas. That's the thing I love about the NFL, especially the further along we go. It just seems like teams are more willing to be aggressive and change what they want to do. Okay, last thing I want to touch on before I get you out of here so we can both go about our Sunday nights and actually get some sleep because, you know, journalists have to sleep at some point on our time. What would you like the New York football Jets to do with your two picks in the top ten? We're going to discuss this a lot between now and the draft because this is what football people nerds do, but what would you like the Jets to do? You don't have to say a specific player. You could just say position, but what would you like the Jets to do? Um, I guess it depends on who's available. I am so not a Stingley, a Derek Stingley person. I, uh-huh. I'm very suspicious of him. I, I probably shouldn't be, but I just, his injury history is not getting me excited. I really like 
like Ekwonu, Evan Neal, Tyler Linderbaum, the offensive line guys at the top of the draft. I really like all of them. I think they would all be really good additions to the Jets. I would love to get one of those if they are available at one of those picks. I think if Ekwonu or Neal is available at four, I would be super down to take one of those. And I think Linderbaum is more is closer to being available around the 10 spot um, with the Seahawks pick. So I would be really down to take either of those. I think if Thibodeau or Hutchinson is available at one of those at four, I would take one of those two. I think having an elite pass rusher makes a really big difference. And I think both of those guys are going to be really good. Um, so I doubt either of those guys is going to drop that far, but if they do, I want one. Yeah. Um, I know positional value wise, Cal Hamilton is not that dude, but he's so good. Like yeah. I think talent wise exclusively, like he is one of the best guys in the draft. And I just, am so impressed with him every time I watch him. I think he has great speed. I think he would be a really good fit with what Saul is trying to do. Um, otherwise I really like Garrett Wilson. I really like Jamison Williams. If those are the guys like receiver wise that we could get at, t- at the 10 spot, I would totally do that. Um, I'm not super picky about it. I feel like there are a lot of good guys in this draft. I feel like personally, there's not anybody, there's not a group I think that has separated themselves significantly that it's like, these are the top, top talents. And these are the guys that like are sort of mid. I, I just feel like there's a lot of guys in the group that are like, these guys are all solid and will probably be solid players. And obviously some of them are not going to be. And I'm sure some of the ones that get drafted by the jets are not going to be, but at the same time, like, because that's what happens to the Jets. I would also be interested in theoretically like trading down or yeah. like if somebody is really excited about some players to try to get more picks next year, because I feel like next year's draft is going to be really good. Just looking at the college talent that might be available next year. And I don't foresee the Jets being very competitive next year, just in the NFL because they're the Jets. So I don't know. I have a lot of ideas, but I think pass rusher, offensive line, receiver are the three positions I would target. And then I just really like Kyle Hamilton specifically. And I think he would be a really good fit. I am anti Derek Stingley. I don't think cornerback is enough of a thing that we need to address right now. I would rather look at that in the future or at another spot. I think you can, you don't- obviously you can find value other places in the, I just, I don't think that that's necessary at the top of the drop. I think maybe the whole Jeff Okuda situation with the lions has really yeah. taken me off cornerbacks, but I just, I'm very suspicious of Stingley with his injury history and like his best season was like two years ago, like with LSU with on that fantastic team. And that's not to take anything away from how good he was that year, but I'm suspicious. It's you all I have so- to say. I just, no sauce gardener. I think there 10. are other sure bets. No sauce gardener at 10. I do really like sauce gardener. I wouldn't be mad about it if they picked him at all. Like I would be very satisfied with him. I think he is fantastic. I he don't had... necessarily think that cornerback is as big in a, yes. a, a hole that the Jets need to fill as offensive line or pass rusher or wide receiver, like getting a number one wide receiver to play with Elijah Moore. That said, if they picked him, I would be over the moon. He's a fantastic player. I think he would be a really good addition. So it's whatever. I think there are a lot of good options. I just really don't like Derek Stingley. <laughs> okay. All right, Gabriel, tie a bow on the 2021-2022 NFL season. What is the last thought you want to put on the record before I close out the show? It was really good. It's a bummer that the Jets sucked again, I <laughs> obviously, but... 
they've sucked for a lot of my life. So I can't be that mad about it, but there were a lot, it was one of the best like playoffs in general that yeah. I feel like I have ever seen. There were so many close playoff games and it was really so competitive and I don't know. It was just fun to watch the whole way through. I had a lot of like really good experiences, like watching games. I think there were a lot of like really iconic playoff games, iconic games in general, and a lot of really great moments. A lot of players that we saw this season that we may never see again if Aaron Donald actually retires, which fingers crossed he doesn't. But yeah, hopefully he's full of shit on that one. But seriously, I think it was very solid NFL season. I think I liked it a lot better than last year's and the playoffs as a whole were much more entertaining than last year. And I don't know, it was just, it was good. It was fun. I feel like I am not usually as big an NFL person as I am a college football person. As some of you that may follow my Twitter or know me at all would know, I am a huge college football person. Um, But I really got into this NFL season and I think it was very entertaining and engaging. And I think the playoffs especially were incredible. So I hope that next year's season is a lot like this. I just think it was great. There's a lot of young talent in the league and I think it's headed in a really good direction. So I'm excited about it. That's a really good way to tie a bow on it. The play that stands out to me the most that I'm going to remember from this calendar year is the Justin Tucker field goal to beat the lions at the last play from scrimmage was like was 66 yards 67 yards whatever that was inside and just the bong of it hitting the crossbar being up in the air and being like is it going to go in is it going to go in and then actually going over and that being how the lions lost is just i'm going to remember that for my entire life because everybody i was in the room with stood up when it bonged off the crossbar it was just hanging over the air is it going to go in or out and just the magic of watching red zone at 345 to 415 is just that's unrivaled no other sport can match the pure chaotic energy that red zone can match in that window and it's what sucks about football is we only get now we got an extra week we only get we get 21 weeks of this we still got to go the other 31 weeks of the year without the nfl and it's gonna be a long long off season and God, is it going to suck waiting for week zero of the college football season? I want to thank Gabriella for coming on. We talked way too long, spent way too much time talking about the Super Bowl and just football in general. But this is what people who love football do. It's going to be a long off season. There will be football episodes. It's a busy content week. We've got guests lined up for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. I will see you guys tomorrow. 